From the EPR Creations Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you Unconquered with Doc Staples. That would be me. As always, this podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Real Estate in the Research Triangle of North Carolina, and Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida. It's going to be a quick one today. We are combining the uh, quarterback groups and the running back room uh, for our assessment, our valuation coming into the uh, into the 2023 season. So, look, we can talk. We could talk a lot about the quarterback room and specifically Jordan Travis and how far he's come as a as a quarterback. It's funny because I've gotten some criticism from folks who remember me saying back in 2019, 2020 area that Jordan Travis was not a, was not a a top level quarterback and going back to, you know, 2018, 2019 saying that he couldn't throw the football reliably. Look, look, you can see, look, I mean, you, you were so wrong about this. Well, you know, (laughs) let's give Jordan Travis his credit for the kind of for the level of improvement that he made. Let's not also forget this is a guy who went to the coaching staff when they arrived and offered to move to another position because he didn't see a a future for himself at quarterback. He was struggling throwing the football so much. That's where he was. 2018, that was his first year at Florida State under Willie Taggart. He was a 28.6 completion percentage, 414. Now small Sample size, sure. The next year, 2019, 54.5 completion percentage. Six of 11. Again, very small sample size, but they didn't trust him to throw because he was not hitting his targets in practice. And then 2020. So this is, you know, first year under new staff. 55% completion percentage for 1,056 yards, but 55% completion percentage, 72 of 131. So that's a big enough sample size to tell you that he was just not an accurate passer at that stage of his career. Six and six touchdowns, six interceptions, you know, struggled throwing the football. And then all of a sudden, and this does not happen in college football. All of a sudden he goes from a career sub 55% completion percentage guy, which is well below the 60% threshold of competent passer. All of a sudden in 2021, he jumps to 62.9% passer, 15 touchdowns, six interceptions. So more than two to one ratio there and starts to look like an actual decent thrower of the football. And then last year, 64% completion percentage on 226 of 353. So threw the ball quite a bit, and averaging 9.1 yards per completion. All of a sudden, he goes from being a guy who's, you know, as I put it, going back to 2020, he's a really good football player, but not not yet a really good quarterback. That's that's where he was. All of a sudden, he went to he went from that to being one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Last year, his pro football focus grade, and again, you got to take those with a grain of salt to some degree, 
His pro football focus grade was 90.1 as a passer. That was just behind Drake May at 90.8. Bryce Young at 91.3 was just barely ahead. If you look at that, if you look at the big-time throw percentage of guys who had, say, a minimum of 20% of the total dropbacks on the year, or let's say minimum of 50%. These are guys that played a bunch. Big-time throw percentage. So this is, a, this is a throw where a quarterback puts it, just makes, it, makes a, a, a spectacular-type throw. He was sixth in the country last year. Ahead of guys like C.J. Stroud, Graham Mertz actually is on this list. That's kind of surprising. Uh, he was number eight. I guess that's why Florida took him. He has not looked real good for Florida, and his completion percentage was 57.1, so that tells you something there. But Jordan Travis was number six in the country in big-time throw percentage. Number one, by the way, Nikosi Perry for FAU, former Miami quarterback. Drake May, number two, at 8.4%. If you look at the adjusted completion percentage, he's not quite as high there as he was in in other categories, but still top 50 in the country, 72.5% adjusted completion percentage. So that adjusts for drops and all of that. Then you take a look at his overall, where the passing numbers happened, and he became a really good deep thrower. I mean... 113.8 NFL passer rating deep between the numbers. 11 out of 21 for 380 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions to the outside right deep zone, 20 plus yards down the field. 134, 137.4 NFL passer rating there. Not quite as good to the outside left. 78 NFL passer rating there, but you're talking about a guy that became a legitimately good passer. And became a guy that, that, when kept clean, was one of the top players in the country. Now, he did struggle some when under pressure, which, you know, it's going to be pretty normal. But he did that, that. If there's a place that he needs to clean up, it's right there. Now, Florida State allowed a lot of early pressure last year, so he, he had to deal with some of that. And, of course, his legs uh, offset the passing performance as a whole. But he's got to do a little better job uh, protecting the football in those situations and just making sure that, uh, and that's more fumbles, by the way, than interceptions, and making sure that his accuracy doesn't fall off. There are a few things that, you know, he could really work on for this year. One is, is in certain cases under pressure or, you know, some of the check downs, some of the short stuff, he has a tendency to slash across his body and uh, sort of lose the extension that you need in the arm to be able to to put the ball on frame accurately in some of those situations, uh, and you know I think that actually is partly a little bit of how they how they drill it, how they teach it at Florida State, which is something I really don't like. But on the whole, he's gone from a guy that I talked about uh, previously as a really good football player, but not not a great quarterback, to a guy who is one of the best quarterbacks in the country and one of the two best, I think, coming into the season in the ACC. And then behind him, you know, last year, I'd said, look, if he goes down, the season's over. Turned out not to be true because Tate Rodemaker outplayed my expectations last year, came in in the Louisville game in a game that once 
Uh, Jordan Travis went down. I was like, well, that's a loss. And then Rodemaker came in and took care of business. So you feel good about about where he's at in terms of his grasp of the offense. Now they change the offense when he goes in, becomes much more of a play action. You know, couple wide receivers use the big wide receivers to to his advantage and just let him make some uh, simpler throws down the field to take some of that pressure off. Sure, but he can locate. And when he starts to get into a rhythm, th- making those throws downfield, guys like Johnny Wilson and, and Keon Coleman and, and, and the rest can make things really easy. And he, he, he did a good job last year when he was called on. And at this point, you feel solid if he, if he is called on this year. Now, of course, you hope he doesn't have to play beyond garbage time type reps, but, uh, but you know that you've got a guy that can play. And then, of course, you've got Duffy and Glenn. Glenn looks like he's past Duffy so far and uh, looks like he's really made strides and you know has 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 gotten the processing part down pretty quickly. So again, you feel like you've got three quarterbacks on the roster right now who could go in and against most of your schedule not lose the football game. And then of course Duffy may be there as well. I'm I'm not I'm 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 just less less certain there. And if you get to your fourth quarterback in a season, you're in trouble <laughs> just in general. So quarterbacks this is a, this is as good as a, a situation as Florida State has been in at quarterback since 2013 when they had Jameis Winston and Jake Coker on the roster. Because you remember, after Coker transferred, things really changed. And basically, they, they, they had to start going and finding guys like... Uh, like Everett Golston, they had Sean McGuire out there. They had, you know, DeAndre Francois for a year before he got hurt. You know, they've not had a settled quarterback situation. And of course, when Francois got hurt, they had nothing behind him. They, you know, they had to play freshman James Blackman. So they've not had a situation where not only did they have a top level quarterback on the roster at the starter, but enough depth behind him to where you don't feel like it's uh, it's an immediate zero chance of winning some of your games if he doesn't play. If your top guy doesn't play. And that's a huge deal. And and look, if I'm them, I run Jordan Travis as little as I can in all the games except for the ones that you absolutely have to. You let him you you, you let him be smart, but basically you you keep him in the pocket, let him let him manage the football game, which he showed he could do last year until his legs are needed. This is basically what Clemson did with the elf and with uh, Deshaun Watson, guys like that, where essentially you use his legs as a trump card against defenses that can start to take away some of the other stuff you got. So pretty simple. All right, that's enough on the quarterbacks. I mean, none of this is a mystery. Now, at running back, again, really interesting situation on the season because uh, essentially... Florida State has five backs on the roster that virtually anybody else in the country would want on their roster. Starts off with Trey Benson, who had a huge end to last last regular season and put himself on the national map. Some major highlight level runs flashing the power speed combination that very few people in the country have. He hit, I think, over 22 miles an hour on the kickoff return that he had. So, I mean, just a massive power speed, uh, uh, dynamic player, over 200 pounds, or over 220 pounds, I should say, over 220 pounds, and and a guy that that just does not go down on contact very easily. 
So some interesting stuff here. Pro Football Focus has an elusiveness rating, which is one of their signature stats that uh, measures basically how what kind of impact a runner has with the ball independent of the blocking. So, you know, what how 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 does he how good a job does he do in irrespective of blocking? So break broken tackles, uh, you know, eluding defenders, that sort of thing, to make something out of nothing in in all sorts of cases. Trey Benson led the nation in that stat last year. At <laughs> in general, over a one hundred elusiveness rating is excellent. Right? That that's that's outstanding. Over a hundred. <laughs> Trey Benson led the nation last year with an elusiveness rating of 226.6. You look at other guys in the, in the country, Bijan Robinson from Texas, who's an elite running back, 169.1. That's just filthy. You look prior year, the leader was, uh, let's see, on relatively few snaps. Mignon Williams uh, from Ohio State at 210.4. Among higher higher carry backs, it was again Bijan Robinson at 155.2. The prior year, 220. Javante Williams from, from North Carolina, 215.4. So you're looking at that kind of player with, with Trey Benson. Looking at Travis Etienne at 213.9 back in 2019. And uh, Tulane's uh, Delphine in less activity at 236.8. A little closer to home, if you go back to 2014 with Dalvin Cook, you're looking at 128.1 elusiveness rating. <laughs> Which should tell you where, where things are, where things were last year in terms of the efficiency and the amount of tackle breaking and so on that you saw from Trey Benson. I mean, that's just absolute dominance as a running back from Benson. And he returns and he's bigger and faster and, you know, further removed from the big injury that he'd had last year. And you think about this last year in terms of missed tackles forced he had 79 missed tackles forced on 154 attempts. So he 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 broke a tackle basically or forced a missed tackle on a, a just around half a little over half actually of his carries. It's just crazy. So that's really good. Now, interesting thing is that that still that still didn't mean he was the most consistent runner at Florida State last year. That was actually Treshawn Ward. And if there's a concern here, it's that Treshawn Ward is now taking his talents to Manhattan, Kansas, where he's going to be playing for for Kansas State. Now, of course, he left because he was concerned that the carries behind him would be basically his carries would be evaporating. And and he was right. But if you look at at, at Trey Benson last year, that the concern that you have for him is that he's a guy that once you get him in to that second level, he's absolutely elite. But if you look at some of the numbers, when Florida State had trouble last year against teams up front, Wake Forest 
He had four attempts for 10 yards, 2.5 yards per attempt. Versus Treshawn Ward, 13 attempts for 87 yards, 6.7 yards per attempt. Now, yeah, only four carries against Wake Forest. And I do think, by the way, I, I continue to think, and I, I haven't confirmed this with, with anybody, but I continue to think that, that Trey Benson got banged up a little bit against Duquesne in, in game one. Sort of banged up his knee a little bit. He six carries for 15 yards against LSU last year and ran real timid in that game. Treshawn Ward was the, was the primary back against LSU. 15 carries for 49 yards. Still not great, but enough. And then you start to get a little bit better against Louisville and Boston College, who just weren't great up front. And then Wake Forest, basically, again, Benson was running pretty timid, had to rely on Ward, and you know Wake Forest was able to get some penetration against a banged-up FSU offensive line last year, and that, that cost him. Then against NC State, Benson, after Treshawn Ward got hurt, so against NC State, Treshawn Ward had five carries for 51 yards, averaged 10.2 yards a carry. And then he gets banged up, and Benson winds up seven carries for 27 yards, 3.9 yards per carry. Never could get free. NC State sort of swarmed more at the offensive line. They play that 3-3 stack, and Benson had trouble getting beyond the line of scrimmage. Didn't have a whole lot of... uh, of missed tackles force or anything had one missed tackle force against NC state. They, they, they tackled him well. Now a little bit better against Clemson. So Clemson more traditional defensive front. And I do think that was a factor. I think he had more success against odd front looks than, than even front for the most part last year. So it's something to keep an eye on, but pretty good against Clemson. And then after Clemson, you had the bye week and that's when I think he got healthy got healthier 6.2 yards per carry against a bad Georgia tech team, but a pretty good defensive line in Georgia tech 9.3 yards per carry against an FCS team at Miami. Uh, and then 9.1 yards per carry against Syracuse five yards a carry and, you know, limited action against, uh, against Louisiana Lafayette, another FCS team, and then 5.6 yards per carry and some super highlight runs against Florida. But then again, against Oklahoma, Going up against a, a quality defensive line, 1.9 yards per carry, 13 carries for 25 yards. So the concern that you have this year for Florida State at the, at the running back position is with Benson, it's been a little boom and, boom and bust at times, and they were able last year, you look at that Oklahoma game, Benson struggled with 13 carries for 25 yards, 1.9 yards per carry, and then Treshawn Ward, 10 carries for 81 yards, 8.1 yards per carry. Right. So, you know, against NC State and Oklahoma and against LSU, he was able to have more success, Treshawn Ward, than Trey Benson. And so that was a big part of Florida State's success last year is that if one guy just stylistically was not making it work, then they could go to the next guy. Now, you don't have Treshawn Ward now. So the real question is who who steps into that role now? I think the coaching staff feels very, very good about Keziah Holmes and Rodney Hill as each of them potentially being an upgrade over Treshawn Ward last year. And I know that sounds crazy, but the thing you got to remember is, first of all, Keziah Holmes is a, is a top-level athlete. 
You go back to high school, and he was running in the 10-7 range in the 100 meters and ran 21-2 in the 200 meters. This is a guy with top-end speed that is pretty close to Trey Benson's. Might actually, might actually be faster than Trey Benson. And runs with power. And then you got Rodney Hill, who's we, we've all seen. I think Hill is, is the closest on the roster to Treshawn Ward when he's fully healthy. But he's got a gear in terms of breakaway speed that, that Ward didn't have. So the key here is going to be understanding what the strengths and weaknesses of your backs are versus the kinds of defenses that you're facing so that you can optimize and maximize what you're getting out of your out of your running back stable. And I think you're going to see four guys get actual non-garbage time carries over the course of the year because you still have Toafili as well. Now, to me, Toafili is more of a gadget player than he is a true running back, but he has, again, flashed vision at times that's more similar to what a Treshawn Ward type guy brings to the table. So he's also going to see a, a good number of carries, but he's, he's a guy that's going to line up in the slot. He's going to line up in the, in the backfield. You're going to get some two back stuff with him on the field. A lot of different things to move him around. And, and Mike Norvell knows how to move those guys around and, and, and get the advantage, get the matchups that he wants. But the key is those four guys. And then of course you have the fifth guy, CJ Campbell, who's a really good player in his own right. And that's before you get to a promising freshman in Samuel Singleton. So they've got some players all the way down to the sixth guy. But really, those first five, they're going to all get carries. And that means also that you're you're going to keep guys fresh. But I think the, the main thing, and this is going to be evident day one against LSU, got to look for some improvement from Benson against top-end fronts where he's going to have to actually run with vision and work through a little bit of trash at the line of scrimmage before getting to the second level, how much success can he have in those situations and against linebackers who can really run? That's when he's had the least success is against linebackers who can really run so that he's not able to, to break those tackles as easily by basically just using his burst. You know, is, is this going to be a situation where against LSU, they're going to need Kaziah Holmes or, or, or Toa or Hill Hill to be, that is, if Hill is, is fully healthy for that game. Uh, it, they're going to need those three guys, potentially, one of those three guys, to come on and potentially be the feature back against LSU. It's possible. Now, Benson has, again, he improved over the course of the year, but I, I do have some concerns based on how he finished the year against, against OU and just, in general, the overall difference in terms of the the, the variance between when he's played defenses that sort of suit his style versus defenses that have been able to make him uncomfortable. And I think this is going to be a really interesting case uh, to watch. Now, of course, Florida State's improvement on the offensive line, if you get more consistency there, because against NC State, against Wake Forest, the offensive line was banged up and had their, their worst games. And that's not when that's not when Benson is going to be at his best. So that's that's going to be really interesting to see. I, I, I again, I'm you feel really comfortable because Keziah Holmes and Rodney Hill and Toa Feely are all guys that I think you feel have the vision and the burst and the athleticism to be running back. Well, at least Keziah Holmes and Hill could be running back one if Benson was not on the roster. You feel like then as a change of pace, as a supplementary player, that puts you in a, in a position where even if LSU starts to, if Benson doesn't, if he's ineffective early against an LSU or against a Clemson, and again, I think he, he fits a little bit better against what Clemson likes to do defensively, even if 
you you wind up having some trouble there. I think initially with your starter, I think you've got enough guys in the stable to where you're going to be able to find a guy that that is is going to get into rhythm against even better defensive fronts with the offensive line that you've got. And that's critical. So again, depth being the key here, and this is a combination of top end elite talent, NFL talent, and depth at both positions. So it's going to be a refrain this year. I mean, FSU has the the talent, the top end starter talent, and the depth of a legitimate playoff contender this year. And quarterback and running back are no exception to that rule. We'll go ahead and wrap there. This has been Unconquered with Doc Staples. Thanks for listening. I'd like to thank my advertising partners, EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Real Estate at ShenRealEstate.com and the Research Triangle of North Carolina, Garage Makeovers in South Florida. And then, of course, if you have not stopped by the Unconquered Podcast shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, you can buy stickers and all sorts of other gear. Go ahead and do that. Always helps support the podcast. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level. That is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Dave Blair, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Post us on social media and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this. <laughs>